We do a word tonight from the Lord and see where we go. Praise God. James chapter 5. We'll get some instructions here. And I'm preaching on praying hot prayers. That there's a benefit to a hot prayer. Now, I like to believe like Jesus did when he said, standing at Lazarus's tomb, you know, he said, I thank you, Father, that you hear me always when I pray. Amen. That there, there's never a prayer that I pray that God doesn't hear. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to feel some tremendous thing every time we pray. And uh, I think I think I thought you did for years, and that I began to doubt my own prayer life because I wasn't feeling what Sister Shout the Isle was feeling. Every time, you know, certain folks prayed, it seemed like they had some kind of a nervous breakdown with it, you know, or some kind of reaction. And uh, I just thought, well, it's not, the Lord's not hitting me that way. And uh, I, I would, like Brother Hagen would say, sometimes I felt like my prayers didn't even get as high as the ceiling, you know, as far as reaching heaven or reaching God, because it just, he said, almost come back and mock you, slap you right in the face. But uh, thank God we don't go by uh, our feelings or our emotions. Um, even this thing about unction can get, you can get a little carried away with that if you're not careful. You say, well, I only pray if I have unction. Well, there's been days and weeks that's gone by that I literally had almost no unction, but I continued to pray the word. Amen. And so a hot prayer doesn't necessarily, and thank God for all those things. Thank God for unction. Thank God for the feelings. Thank God for the, when you know you've, you know, people say, oh, I know last night in my prayer that I connected. That's wonderful to have that, those sensations and those uh, understandings or enlightenment situation, events, you know, whatever, where the prayer becomes an event. We thank God for that. And sometimes you'll be praying about a thing and the Holy Spirit will literally guide you into another area of prayer that you haven't even thought about. And you'll get an answer to prayer right during the prayer. Amen. So those are all good things. Please don't think that I'm regimenting anything. Uh, and in fact, we need to sometimes be a little less regimented, I think, in our praying. And we've been taught these are the nine kinds of prayer. And when you're, you're praying something, you're not sure which prayer you're praying. It doesn't matter at that point. Just pray. Yeah. I always say, just pray. It's easier, it's easier to, uh, to turn a car that's moving around than a parked car. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes you've parked. I mean, I don't know I've been in places like San Francisco before where you're parked on a hill and you've got those wheels turned into the curb, you know, in case the brakes give up the anointing and uh, the parking thing goes loose. And uh, so it, it has nowhere to go but into the curb. But sometimes you think, well, I got to go back up that way and I'm parked here. So you you you're you're purposely going the wrong way to turn around. But you, in other words, start. Just pray. You don't have to be specially called to be an intercessor. You don't have to be specially called to be on the prayer team. 
The prayer team consists of anybody that's willing to pray. <laughs> Amen. And there's some people that'll pray, you know, a very, I don't know, seems like mature style of praying. They're veterans at it. They've been praying for years and they're great. And then others, you know, they don't even know where to hardly what to do. They just kind of sit there with their head in their hand. They want to be a part, but not sure. So, you know, we just include everybody. Amen. And, uh, Somebody gets out of hand with prayer, we can call, we, we can fix that too. You know, we can say, hey, you know, put a hand on their shoulder. And if that doesn't work, a little squeeze. If that doesn't work, you bend their hand backwards until <laughs> the pain causes them to shut up. So, you know, there's ways to handle things that get a little crazy. We learned these techniques in tent revivals that I was taught by the tent manager for Oral Roberts how to deal with unruly people. So at any rate, uh, you know, we go from one extreme to the other. So if we're not careful, then we get out the book, you know, uh, how to pray book. There's several of them, leather bound uh, with bonded leather. And they got their your name on there, whatever, very nice little gift thing, 19 ways to pray. Anyway, it, awesome. Praise God. Most of that's very scriptural. And like I said, kind of gives you a, a, a road map. But you know, if all you ever did is, is look at a map and you didn't look at the scenery along the way, you would kind of not have, you would have a very, uh, uneventful trip. So we, these scriptural guiding things and, you know, and these books on how to pray, that's all wonderful to kind of get you started in the right direction. But then be bold enough to leave that and, uh, <laughs> smell the roses spiritually, so to speak. In other words, get out there on your own a little bit and with the Lord and say, Lord, it's you and me. And, you know, I guess if you have to say, forgive me for not saying it perfect every time, but just talk to God, you know. So if you did pray a little amiss, the Lord looks at the heart and, uh, and he'll, he'll hear and answer prayer. Amen. Now, I know that sounds just real shallow to say he hears and answers prayer today because they have that on billboards now. But uh, it's really true that he does hear you. And so you, we need to be like Christ without feeling, without emotion to say, I thank you, Lord, you hear me always when I pray, even if I felt like my prayer did nothing. I know I've prayed the prayer of faith before. For something that I even forgot about, that I had prayed, and it all of a sudden there's a manifestation. And I'm thinking, oh, how, how did that happen? And then I remember that the Lord, that I prayed that. You know, the Lord reminds me, well, you were driving to the post office, and you prayed that prayer. You were going to the grocery store, and you prayed that prayer. You were driving to church. You were, you were piddling around in your yard, you know doing some yard work, and you prayed that prayer, and I answered it. Amen. So by faith, we accept it. On the other hand, the Bible here does talk about praying a hot prayer. So let's talk about that. What does it mean to pray a hot prayer? All right. Every prayer you pray is not necessarily going to be a hot one. But uh, um, you need to learn how to pray hot ones. <laughs> Amen. All right. James uh, 5, 13, is any among you afflicted? Now, this uh, the word affliction there, because it says later, is any sick? 
So obviously afflicted and sick are not the same thing. Now we make it like it's the same thing because we slaughter the king's English. <laughs> but, but really, uh, afflicted there is a different meaning than sick. Sick, we know what sick is, you know. Sick is sick. You're, you're not feeling well. You've got symptoms. You've got maybe a diagnosis of something. You've got physical problems that's causing you to say, I'm sick. Won't be there tonight. I'm sick. Sickness uh, occurs, obviously, in in the world. Um, there's hospitals, and uh, I've, I've noticed uh, over in our part of town, it seems like every other block there's a urgent care center going up. I'm thinking, my lord, there's so many sick people. Everybody needs urgent care, and uh, so we do need to understand about the prayer of faith. But here it says, is any among you afflicted? Now that means just the hassles of life. The hassles of life. The test, temptations, and trials of life. Have you ever had a day that you just thought, gosh, I'll be glad when this day is over. It has just been one thing after another. Have you ever been there? And you just feel like, ah! Well, that's the afflictions, you know. And, uh, you know, and then you don't dare ask the question, what else could go wrong? Because I've got news for you. A lot else could go wrong and everything can go wrong. It's like Murphy's Law, you know, which I don't receive. But anyway, you sometimes wonder. So that's what afflicted means. You, you, you're attacked, you're, Something's said about you. There's things that are upsetting you. I believe you can be afflicted with just thoughts of fear, fearful things. And, uh, you know, you have a new pain somewhere and you go, oh, what is that? And the devil says, it's terminal, whatever, you know. I mean, you know, all the terrible thoughts can come. Anybody know what I mean? You know, this is it. This is your toast. You're, you're going to die, you know. And um, so... That can be in the afflicted department. Really, anything that's not sickness can be afflictions. And a, 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 a money problem, a, a financial issue, um, a legal issue, all these things that become warfare against us. And so is any among you afflicted? Um, now, Brother Hagin used to say, this made people mad, but it was true, he said, is any among you afflicted? Is any, and then the next verse, is any sick among you? Making it sound like it really shouldn't be everybody. He says, I've been in churches where it seemed like the whole place got in the prayer line for healing. You know, just a healing line, not just a prayer line. A prayer line, you'd understand, but a healing line, everybody in the whole church is sick. I've been in those churches. Seems like everybody there is sick. It makes you wonder what's being taught. Makes you wonder what's being believed. What does it, Shouldn't be everybody sick. Um, so that just the way the question is asked does indicate that that's not the will of God. Afflictions are not the will of God or they're not from God. But they do come. And when they do, we have to stand against them. Amen. Well, what's one way to stand against them? Well, of course, always the Word. But this says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Well, what would you pray? Well, you know, um, hold your place right there in James 
and look at Acts 3. You, are you enjoying any of this at all? Is this helping you? I, I like to, I like to teach and preach and live by things that I can do. Not so lofty and weird and out there in outer space that only the space cadets can, uh, Let's see, where are we going to, oh yeah, actually uh, we're going to go to Acts 4. The, this, this miracle that happened upset some of the elders and rulers and elders of, uh, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. They, um, they got mad over this miracle, a notable miracle it says in uh, verse 16 hath been done by them is manifest. They even said, we cannot deny it. We cannot deny that this miracle happened. We're not saying it was fraudulent or something is wrong with the the report. But look at verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak um, henceforth to no man in this name. Uh, and it says uh, in verse 21, so when they had further threatened them. Now, th- this is the kind of thing that could be an affliction. You see, they're not sick. They're not saying everybody's got the flu here, but everybody is being threatened by these magistrates and his people, chief priests and elders. And... um being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said. When they had heard that, verse 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Now here it says lifted up their voice to God. Would you call that a prayer? So it says here, again, hold your place there in Acts now. And then back to James, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So here's one example of how you could pray on something that's threatening you. Now, uh, y'all know I've been preaching on this ever since I arrived in Florida. <laughs> and I preached on it before we arrived in Florida. So I just think there's something here that's so rich. So notice how they pray. It says they lifted up their voice with, to God with one accord. And they didn't pray, now, Lord, you, you, you know the problem, you know the need, you see the afflicting, the, and the, the suffering here, the affliction and the suffering and all that. You know what all has been done. Notice it says, uh, um, that they started off with, thou art God. Isn't that something? Because, you know, you feel like, where is God? You feel like, why isn't God helping me with this? Can't he see my dedication and consecration? <laughs> Can't you see the sacrifices I'm making in your name? Well, you know, this is what we want to pray. What is wrong with you? If I were you, I'd send legions of angels, you know. Um, <laughs> that's what we want to do. We want to be, we want to be like, you know, 
uh, the prophet sitting in the woe is me seat and on the dirt, you know, wanting to die. <laughs> Let this gourd just, you know, whatever. Anyway, gourd head disease. Uh, I love it that they, that they, they lifted up their voice and said, Lord, thou art God. Well, now, the Lord didn't need reminding who he is. <laughs> Lord, hast thou forgotten who thou is? You know, thou is us. Put a lot of ESTs on the end of it, and you got old English. Uh, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all the... Now, I like to say, well, so they established God's authority. Because something else... See, what's happening here with afflictions, something else is trying to raise up. Something else is trying to take the driver's seat in your life. Something else is trying to rule and reign. If in, if at the very least in your mind and be, uh, rents, what does it say? Take up space free rent, you know. And, uh, there, so there's like demonic voices and they're not necessarily a demon. I mean, don't get like weird. They're not necessarily a demon as an entity, but it's demonic. Anything's demonic and evil if it's against the word. Well, what does the Bible tell us to do about our mind? Any, whatever things are pure and lovely of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So here comes all this crud against us to replace, if there be any virtue and be any praise, with, you know, what am I going to do? So the, they they first established God's authority, and then if if you keep reading, well, I don't want to take the time to do it, but notice that they talked about thy holy child Jesus, verse twenty seven. So now we've got God's authority, His creation. We've got Jesus and His authority. Is there any authority around Jesus or His name or His blood? So we have that, and then they finally said, and now, Lord, since the final thing in their prayer is the deal that you're dealing with, the, the issue. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants. They, didn't, they never prayed, Lord, make this stop, make this go away. Oh, Lord, I can't bear it. No, no, they prayed. Grant unto thy servants, that's themselves, uh, that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and I believe with the power of God, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with um, boldness. Look at verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. It says later that uh, that nobody lacked anything. Uh, from the least to the most. Uh, I mean, um, in other words, uh, uh, 
prosperity came, blessing came. And the place was shaken. They were all filled and they all had this great witness and great grace. Now, how many believe that might have been a hot prayer? I'm just asking. At least it was a prayer that produced results. So this is what we're talking about tonight. We do thank God that he hears us always when we pray. However, there is a prayer that can be prayed at any given moment. I believe as the Lord gives us unction and direction and a sincere heart and a hunger for the things of God and all those things that we need, I believe all that together can produce hot prayers that produce results. Woo! And so I'm saying, always challenging, you know, next year, 2024, let's pray hotter prayers that produce results, not just religious praying that, you know, well, I there I prayed. I went to the prayer meeting. Well, thank you for thank you for uh, trying out. Here's your case of Coke as your consolation prize. Dialing for dollars did not find you. Um, that's from that song. Oh Lord, won't you buy me? A color TV dialing for dollars is trying to find me, you know. All right. Um, okay, so is any among you afflicted? Let him pray so we can see there. If you looked at a prayer of affliction, uh, against afflictions there in Acts 4, how powerful that prayer can be right there. Because I think we read that and just read over it and You just need to pray your little prayer over in the corner. No, pray a prayer that removes the affliction. Blows it up. Blows it into the sea. Amen. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. In other words, if you're merry and you're happy and you're saved and you know it, (laughs) say amen. If you, all those things, yeah. In other words, let let that joy bubble out of your heart and sing to the Lord. That's obviously uh, something that's helpful here. And I believe these thoughts are all tied together. They're not just they're not just static, standing alone. You know, over here, these uh, 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 the prayer of uh, against affliction is there. Uh, the that that's followed by joy and 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 singing and merry and being happy. All right, then we have verse 14, is any sick among you? Again, indicating that it shouldn't be everybody sick. Is there any, any sick among you? So who, those that are, now, and if you are sick, you find yourself sick, don't get under condemnation about it. And don't let sister, um, forensic find what's wrong with you get a hold of you. You know, well, you open the door somewhere. Well, I'll tell you what, you open the door the minute you're born. Come on. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's just problems in this world. And the devil is loose, but he's going to be bound. But, you know, in our lives, he is bound because of Jesus and, and the name and the blood. But is any sick among you? Well, there's, sometimes there are. And the bigger the church, the more sick people you're going to have because of just uh, percentages. 
I had a pastor tell me to my face, and you would know his name if I called it, but I won't, and wild horses can't drag it out of me. You could pull my fingernails out with, with uh, you know, pliers, and I still wouldn't tell you. But, uh, or enhanced interrogation, and I wouldn't tell you. But this pastor, a friend of mine, a guy I respect a lot, had, had, I don't know if they still do, but at one time had about 12,000 members in his church. Big deal. And uh, they had me come in sometimes, this one church, to, to do some uh, healing services. And then have, uh, they had a healing school kind of type deal, a little different than Rama's, but, you know, they had a healing school because I was at the original healing school. They had me come in and do some things. For them, and I did, and he tells me, so there's this man in the church that dies, you know, and it's, he's a leader and, you know, young, not that old. I mean, he's in his mid to late forties and he has some cancer issue and just kind of eats him up and kills him. Well, you know, we were talking about that and this pastor tells me, he says, Kenneth Hagan pastored he said he pastored 12 years and never buried one church member. I'm talking to you about percentages here, okay? He says never buried one church member. And uh, and uh, I said, yeah. And he said, well, I've been pastoring, you know, however many years at that time, 15 years or something. And God bless their work and the church blew up huge. And he said, and I've, I can't even, I've lost count how many people I've buried. I said, well, you know what? There's kind of a difference between 12,000 members and 150. The largest church Kenneth Hagin ever pastored had 175 people in it. Now, see, I think in our modern day faith movement, they imagine Brother Hagin had this huge mega church with all these people coming, and he didn't. The biggest church he pastored, again, was like 175 people. And he was only, now here's the odds go even more in his favor. And I talked to Brother Hagin about this, if you're interested. At my mother's dinner table, I said, so-and-so, and I told him, we knew him. I said, he's, uh, he's down in the dumps, this guy with this huge church. He's down in the dumps because, and I mean, almost like distraught over it. We've got to find out what's wrong. There's sin in the camp. You think with 12,000 people, there might be sin in the camp? Huh. Wow, that's weird. I mean, this is craziness to me. It's like, how do you, how does a guy build such a great work and then is, is like, can't think? Like, these crazy thoughts that they think that Brother Hagen said. He never said any of that. He's, I said, What's the longest you were ever at any church? He said, two years. Now think of your odds. Two years, and the most people you've ever had is 175. I guess that was on Easter Sunday or something. And the chances of not having a funeral go really high, like it's in your favor. The longer you stay and the more people you have, the more likely those numbers are to change. 
Are you enjoying my honesty? I'm like one of the few people that will tell you stuff like that. But it needs to be told, not to ridicule anyone, but it needs to be told because a lot of people think these thoughts. And then they feel like, well, they're a failure because, you know, they've been pastoring and they've had seven funerals in one year. And So, anyway. So I said to Brother Hagen, I said, what do you think about that? This guy's all been out of shape. I mean, really distraught over it. So he told me. He said, well, he's got a, he said, that's ridiculous. He says, if I'd have had 12,000 people in my church and been there 20 years, we would have buried people. One thing, just out of old age, everybody does, you're not going to live forever in this life. What are you going to be, 368? You, you know what I'm saying? And so, no matter how young or old somebody is, it seems like that, if they're a wonderful person, you know, we're going to miss them when they go and all that. But folks, we're not designed at this point in the game to live forever on this earth. We're just not going to. And uh he said, well, if we watch our diet better, well, it's like my friend uh Dennis Burke, you know, got up at a meeting. He, he's been here with his wife and ministered. He got up and he said, well, you know, everybody Jesus healed was on the Mediterranean diet, you know. Jacqueline Onassis. She died of uh, some kind of cancer. She was 68 years old, you know. She said, my Lord, and she actually said this publicly, she said, my Lord, I hired a trainer and a nutritionist in New York City, you know, to, to, I, I watched every morsel that went in my mouth, you know, everything had to be organic and grown by, you know, Chinese, you know, uh, Buddhist in a, uh, you know, on an herb farm somewhere. You know, I mean, everything was just, you know, perfect and so, so for her diet and all that and and never would and then she said and now here I am I've got this terrible disease that's killing me off she said I should have had the lemon meringue pie so again if we're not careful we'll stop preaching the word on healing and the devil is the author of sickness and disease and you can be the most disciplined person in the world and still have to fight the battle of healing. So, you know, get it straight. If you want to, if you want to do a special diet and exercise program, good for you. Praise the Lord. But if you're not careful, you start preaching life coach stuff instead of the word. And I've been in churches where they did that. They life coach you through healing. Life coach you through finances. Life coach you through everything. And it's like, okay, if I want to hire a life coach, I'll get on the internet and do it. I come to church to hear the word so that it helps my faith. It's the same with, uh, you know, we get sometimes a little criticized here because we don't preach issues. I don't 
I don't have abortion Sunday or whatever. And I, you know, I'm against abortion. I am personally. And, and, uh, our churches, our, the whole denominator, everybody I've got credentials with is against it. But I'm not going to have the service where we show an abortion on the screen, pass out plastic fetuses and have a march in the neighborhood. We're not going to do it because that's not what we're called to do. We're called to feed the sheep. Amen. If you want to join up, pass out the plastic fetus group, knock yourself out, but we're not doing it in here. Amen. And I'm against it, you know, or, or having, you know, anti-homosexual Sunday. I mean, you know, those things are more divisive than they are helping. And you're, I've never seen anybody stand up in one of those things and go, you know, you're right. I'm just going to stop being, you know, a fruitcake here or whatever, and I'm going to I'm going to be normal now that you've said what you've said. Thank you, Pastor. Has no one said ever? And usually, it drives people deeper into the sin and the thing that they're involved in than to let them come to you and say, "Does God love me anyway?" And he does. No, I'm not putting a rainbow flag out. Don't worry. But I'm saying people are welcome to come hear the word. So we had two guys, <laughs> we had two guys at our church in Alabama. They were a couple. And um, one was a florist and the other was a hair hairdresser. You couldn't get more cliche, you know. It was just ridiculous. And so they came, and a lady that was kind of the church secretary, she had gotten her hair done over there, and then she'd get flowers, and, you know, they shared the same building for their businesses. And I said, invite people to church. So she said, I'm going to invite these two. So they came, and it's obvious, you know, what their situation is to anybody that can see and uh, read the room, as we say. And so here they came, and I guess you could say in one sense the bad thing that happened, they really liked the church and decided they're going to make it their church. So I got this businessman comes up to me, you know, in the church, and this guy, he goes, Pastor, what are you going to do about these homosexuals? I said, uh, I, I'm not planning on doing it. What, what do you mean, what am I going to do? Are you going to tell them they can't come to church here? I said, no, the church is open to people. Well, you know, the word's against it. And I said, well, the word's against a lot of things. So the only way to have a completely pure church is to kick all the people out of it. And then the pastor has to leave and vow not to return. Because, you know, we all have problems. So, you know, again, I, listen, I'm not soft on sin. People say, well, you know, at our church, at the first church of the Pentecostal right way, uh... We still preach that uh sin is sin. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Well, I'm going to, oh boy, now I'm going to say something that's probably get me voted off of another island somewhere. Eventually, you have to live on a raft. You cannot 
Oh, David, are you going to say this? It's Wednesday night. What could go wrong? You cannot repent your way into holiness. You cannot grieve and shame your way into righteousness. It is a revelation of the goodness and grace of God. (laughs) I said it there. Because, let me tell you what happens. Do you want to know what happens? I know this because I grew up in the first Pentecostal church of we are the only ones right. In fact, the church of God used to sing, the church of God is right, hallelujah to the Lamb. I'm saved and sanctified, hallelujah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> But I have seen people, and I've done it myself in situations in my life growing up. I've seen people, as they used to say, ride the altar bench. I'm going to ride the altar bench. That means every Sunday night, we're going to sing glory, 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 somebody touch me. And they're going to have people down on the altar repenting mainly of sin, individual sins. And then the problem is they get the microphone. And want to tell what sin they had committed and that how tremendously free they feel. Well, there's a real, pr- the devil really uses that later because come Tuesday, you know, they laid the cigarettes on the altar. <laughs> you following me? Here's the why you can't repent your way into holiness. You have to have a revelation of Christ in you. And that will bring all the deliverance you need. If you need deliverance from, if you've got, you know, uh, drug addiction, sex addiction, porn addiction, uh, tobacco addiction, alcohol addiction, uh, uh, substance addiction, whatever you got, depression, anger, cussing, spitting, I don't know, all the things that you could list, these sins, list sins from A to Z. All right, make a master list of all the possible sins that can happen. And so whatever your weakness is, if you're not careful, you're down there telling God, I'll never do this again. Don't ever say that. You have to say, I'm just living in Christ. Jesus, help me. I'm not, I'm not trying to show the Lord What a tremendous Pentecostal holiness person I can be. Because that is, that is why people can't get free. Every time they do that at the altar, they bind that thing to them tighter. We know a preacher, television evangelist, won't name his name, but you know, we all know who he is, who admitted when he got caught with his problem, prostitution, he admitted that he had been doing this thing for almost 20 years, 19 years. And this guy would preach you into the altar every time. And so, you know, you think, well, what, what's with that? Why, why couldn't he get free? I know why he couldn't get free. It's the, it's the, the whole culture and doctrine of that thing. Of every time you know, every time he committed this sin, he probably prayed and said, Lord, uh, 
you know, I forgive me, I'm sorry, it won't happen again, and uh, you'll see, I'll keep your law, I'll do it right, I can do it, your, your power, whatever. And he just bound that thing tighter to him. That every time it happens, now you're in this horrible cycle. So somebody finally comes and knocks on the door. They've been repenting every Sunday night in the repentathon prayer line. And they're knocking on the door. Pastor, yeah, uh, you know, I've got this weakness. It's, you know, it's whatever. It's porn or whatever. And, and, um, and I've been repenting and I've been telling God and it just has gotten worse. And so what I think I need deliverance. And the pastor, frustrated, who doesn't know one thing about grace, says, I'll tell you what, you need to go to the deliverance department. So they go to the deliverance people, and they're happy to try to cast this thing out. And so we're going to cast this demon out. Well, the only way to cast the demon out of that would be to perform a lobotomy. Because the problem is not a demon. The problem is uncontrolled lust, which comes from the mind. Am I helping anybody tonight? So he needs a person that's addicted to something like that. They need mind renewal. And that comes from the Word and reminding them who they are in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Have you forgotten who you are. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God lives in you. Do you join Christ with a harlot? Well, certainly not, Pastor. Okay. Here, let's go with that. Preach, Pastor. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I'm going to get bolder because, you know, I, I know that when I do, it's, it's going to bring persecution again. But I, I'm just, I'm just trying to help people. And we're not going to help them by having on the sign, come to Grace Harvest Church where we preach sin is sin. What does that mean? Am I helping anybody? Now, is any, we've got to get back to this before I'm out of time. Is any sick among you? Oh, so you send the guy to the deliverance department. And the three deliverance nuts are trying to cast the demons out of him all the time. And, and then there he does, makes the same mistake. Stands up and says, oh, I feel d- tremendously delivered. I even threw up in a bucket and the whole thing. I'm not kidding. So, oh, well, you know, Bobby here, you know, who had a problem, we we cast the devil out, and now he's tremendously delivered. Well, now, because he's not tremendously delivered, because he has to have a revelation of who he is in Christ to overcome that thing. So he's not delivered, but he feels delivered. Well, about next Tuesday, he doesn't feel so delivered anymore. And all of his weirdo friends come back around and, you know, people have needs and problems and back into the same lifestyle, back into the same problem. That's why we lose them, people that have these things. What's wrong with the church having 
people that are at different ages and stages in the things of God? Why does everybody have to be demanded to be fixed up and cleaned up and spruced up and polished up all at the same time? Ah! Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him buy the book, The Mediterranean Diet. Let him join Pilates. <laughs> let and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now the oil is not there's nothing special about the oil. Don't go like become an oiler. That's the name of a team, Houston Oilers. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's not the oil, it's the prayer of faith. The oil is just a something that can be felt representing the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But there's no, you, you can't like pray over the oil bottle and put sauce in there. If that were true, what we would do is go over here to the closest hospital and just have a squirt bottle and run until the security stops you and squirt everybody with oil and empty the hospital and sell it for a resort, a hotel. Because, because if it was the oil that did the healing, you could just oil anything and fix it. So it's not the oil, it's the prayer of faith. Shall save the sick. If the, the Lord shall raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he better confess them to the elders. Is that what it says? If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. At the same time. Moving right along here. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another. Now that doesn't mean going around all the time talking about all your problems. If you're wondering why people are avoiding you in the parking lot, could be some of that. But it means that be open with each other and, and, and reach out to each other and help each other. That's what that means. Now, if you have a sin conscious church, that is going to become an impossibility right there. Because people will say, well, this is why you can't get your healing. This is why you can't, your money doesn't come. This is why your blessing doesn't come through. Because you've got this problem. Well, you get one rebuke like that, and you're not going to be so apt to confess your fault to somebody new. Because you get rebuked. I'll just be honest, you know, when my wife Cherie 
passed away, you can't believe the number of people, not in this church, but preachers and people in, in my beloved faith movement who called me to tell me where she'd missed it and why she didn't get her healing. And more than one said, if I'd have been there, I could have fixed it. Well, I deleted people off of my phone that said that to me, but I wanted to say, but I didn't because I didn't know if I could control my anger. But I wanted to say, well, then shame on you for not showing up. If you thought you could fix it, then where were you when we needed fixing? You know, it's just horrible, horrible doctrine. Well, open the door, you know, and some of them thought they figured out where she did it and what she did wrong. (laughs) Unbelievable. One preacher said that when my son was killed, Chris, you know, he was shot in Afghanistan. That was because I was preaching grace. But because I was preaching grace, God had ju- I brought judgment on my house and killed my son. Yeah, word of faith. Praise God. I love the word of faith, but I'm telling you, we got some problems. And that thing of, I call it the, uh, the autopsy. Uh, you know, every, you, if you go to a funeral, certain kind of funerals, faith funerals, the whole place turns into autopsy trying to figure out where they missed it. What really killed them? Well, it's quiet in here. I was at one funeral. I can't believe I'm telling you this. I was at one funeral one time and pastor, guy had a big church, about 3,000. 44 years old, his heart blew up and he died. People just, you know, they, they, they mean well and they're just stupid. But this one woman, she was in a special kind of ministry team. People knew her. She comes up and down the aisle, said, isn't this a great day? Isn't this an exciting day, you know, for this guy, you know? And she's trying to emphasize, well, he's with Jesus and in heaven. I don't think anybody thought it was a great day for the pastor in a building program at 44 years old with 3,000 people's heart blows up and dies. She says, it isn't a great day. You know me, I just couldn't shut up. I don't know why I, I just get comes out. But I said, why don't you go? And I said it loud enough because she's talking loud. I'll talk loud too. I said, why don't you go ask his wife and kids what a great day it is? She kind of went. <laughs> I was grateful that I shut it down, man. I said, don't be acting like that. It's inappropriate. You're not in charge of anything. Shut up and sit down and be glad they gave you a seat with your name on it. Oh, God! I love all them people. God bless them. But I'm telling you, there's some weird stuff that goes on. And then people say, well, I don't know why we get criticized in the faith movement. I mean, <laughs> okay. Because we're crazy. That's why we do stupid stuff. And then people wonder, well, I, you know, 
So it's like, stop in the name of Jesus being so judgmental of everybody or somebody doesn't get their healing or they didn't, their situation didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. The last thing they need is one of us. I have ejected the windscreen. It's a miracle this little guy makes it, I'm telling you. So, last thing a person needs when they've just been trampled on by the enemy is some know-it-all that comes up and has all the answers. Well, let me just tell you, it's easy to have all the answers after everything's over. We call it Monday, what, Monday quarterback, armchair quarterbacks that knew how to run the ball and how to fix the game. And it's like, well, you weren't out on the field, though, running with the ball. So, like, give me a break. Who do you think you are, David Horton? Uh, I think I'm David Horton. <laughs> well, praise God. Glad somebody does. All right. Y'all ready for this? Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And that's something that you may be healed. We should be praying for each other. This, the effectual, hot prayer, fervent prayer, of a righteous man availeth much. Now, let's put that up in the Amplified Classic, because that really says a great thing. Uh, the last part. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic with dynamo dynamite it's all the same it's a it's a explosive force dynamic and explosive force in its working i tell you sometimes if you want to clean out a nest of the enemy nothing works like a nice grenade just pull the pin and throw that sucker over there and blow them to to kingdom come And this is the prayer of a grenade right here. Is that, you know, there are times when it's time to, you know, be still and know that I am God. And there's a time to shout it from the house rooftop and tell the devil. We had a situation this morning at the bank where, you know, there was, I won't even go into detail, but there was like a, a problem, and it was a, a supernatural how a bunch of a problem it was. It was insane. And I wrote Scarlett a text and said, pray. <laughs> I'm at the bank, pray. And she prayed, and right in front of our eyes, the whole screen changed and everything fixed. It was a miracle. And worth a lot of money, a lot of money for the ministry, you know. So I'm just telling you this you know, we, and so I got home and I told Scarlett, I said, it was really crazy. We had these things. We couldn't even understand what was happening. And then all of a sudden, it's like the whole screen faded away and a new screen came up and it stayed. And that was the right thing. 
what it should have been to start with. And I said, what did you pray? Oh, she said, I tell you, I told the devil, there's enough of this nonsense. Take his hands off of our finances. And she, you know, she prayed a hot prayer. She threw a grenade into that nest of demons and it blew them up. So she didn't just go in the corner and sing Kumbaya with folded hands with elbows out, you know, or yoga prayer. Um, so it says he, uh, the effectual, the earnest effectual means it's going to have an effect. Right. Earnest, heartfelt. So I call it a hot prayer, fervent prayer. Hot. Hot like a hot poker that you put in a fire. Or a brand, you know. And it says, uh, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. In other words, he there, in the sense of prayer, he's not saying he was a great prophet. He says he was a man like anybody else. And he prayed earnestly that it might, in other words, you don't have to be a perfect saint and get your prayer answered. Really, we are all perfect saints because if we're in Christ, God looks at us from that view, not from our flesh, thank God. Now, that doesn't give you an excuse. No, it does not give you an excuse to go live like the devil and be stupid. See, that's the other ditch. Let's stay out of the ditch, go down the middle of the road, get blessed. Amen? Um, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years, six months. He prayed again, and the heaven brought, uh, gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Amen. So here, it, there, it seems to indicate that he's, he's functioning not in the office of prophet with this prayer, but as a man, earnest, sincere man praying to God. Because otherwise you wouldn't have that language. See, being with a nature such as we have. Feelings, affections, and a constitution. That's not talking about the United States Constitution. <laughs> we found the USA right there in the scripture. You know. But <laughs> in other words, his he has bodily functions like everybody else, constitution. And if you don't know what that means, look it up. Don't ask me. Don't want to talk about that. But we all have a constitution. We all have feelings and emotions and, and all emotions are not always helpful. Some of them are, <laughs> make us sad and mad and blue and ugly. <laughs> right? And then other emotions make us happy and giddy and gleeful. So praise God, you know, we're emotional. God made us emotional. Okay, I hope hope you got something out of that. I didn't mean to get off into war zone, but I I did. So praise the Lord. Anyway, I am preaching the message of grace from from the Word and the finished work of Christ, and I am not advocating people li- live sinful lifestyles because it. Um, 
has destruction attached to it. And, you know, people that don't get the victory, as we say, over these things, they're going to pay the price for it. Sometimes it costs them their lives early and things like that. But it, but, um, I think, I don't think there's an argument in, in both camps as to what we, what the goal is to live a victorious life in Christ. But I think that the argument comes in how to achieve it. Amen. Well, I've got, you know, we've all heard these stories of preachers that messed up, gotten sin and adultery and things and, you know, blew up the church and whatever. But I'm going to tell you, that's always been, that's not, don't blame that on the grace message. <laughs> that was happening way before any grace message. It's been happening since time, you know, has been counted. Amen. So you can't blame, you, even in, even in our faith camp, you can't blame the stories and things you've heard about people, you know, you know what I'm saying, messing up and blowing up. You can't blame that on the grace message because that was their way before anybody said the G word. One preacher calls it the G word. He told a friend of mine, don't say that G word in my church, you know. I said, okay, praise God. But um, are there extremes? Sure. There were extremes in, in faith world when it was early movement, the faith movement. We had preachers preaching against having uh, life insurance and having uh, automobile insurance and things like that because that means you're opening the door of the devil. You don't have any faith against uh, women using any kind of medical uh, assistance at all in childbirth. Well, that fellow's church ended up in I don't know how many multi-million dollar lawsuits from you know the families of these people um, suing the church because he was telling them that it was a sin to have a uh, even a midwife, you know. And um, you just think, well, that's crazy. But Brother Hagen didn't stop preaching faith because another guy went to the ditch. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to stop preaching grace because somebody goes in the ditch. There, there, I did it. <clears throat> you have any complaints? Write Shannon Crowley. <laughs> Praise God. And let her know. <laughs> She'll send you three or four scriptures to help you. Amen. All right. God bless you. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Thank God for the Word, the Holy Ghost. Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody have a great Christmas. Rejoice in the Lord, and we'll see y'all at the last day of the month. <laughs> <laughs>